changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Vaden and Rex. Welcome back to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. Today, we are interviewing Maria and Francesca from Children's Life-Saving Foundation. Really excited to bring you guys this episode so you can learn a lot more about what they're doing in the Southern California area. But first off, I want to welcome Maria and Francesca to the show. Welcome very much, and thank you guys for joining us. Yes, thank you so much. We're thrilled to be here. Very happy to be here with you. Thank you. Nice. Well, we're thrilled to talk with you guys. Um, I would love to start out, whichever you guys want to jump on first and, and talk about the journey of how the organization got started and kind of, you know, give us, give our viewers, some, uh, our listeners some insight into how you guys got started and what the inspiration was. Okay, I guess I'll begin first, Maria. So um, I was, um, you know, I came to California like in 1990 and I one of the things I started doing with my son was just to volunteer at a shelter in South Central LA on Wednesday nights and Saturday. And um, it was there that I uh, started meeting, you know, young children. Keep in mind, this is 27 years ago. This is like 1990, 91, 92. And in those days, you know, children living in shelters were mostly with their moms and, um, in those days, the shelter directors were made up of pastors and their wives, and they were dealing with really housing these young people, young women with their children, feeding them and, you know, having beds for them and so forth. So I was just there to help, you know, help feeding and help doing a little thing with kids on Saturday, a little program, my son and I at the time, and uh um, it was there that I really um, met like this little boy who uh, was about eight and a half years old. He asked me to look at a flyer and it was one of Disney, you know, and he wanted me to read it. And I said, well, darling, Denard, why don't you read it? You know, he said, well, I don't know how to read, you know, and that really um I said, what do you mean? Aren't you learning in school? And he said, well, I've never been to school, you know. So that really, you know, amazed me, surprised me. And he really hadn't. And what was happening was that his mom, you know, was in a very depressed state and this and that. So I kind of like started, you know, um, it all started by accident, you know, the foundation, you know, I, I started by taking this young boy to get a physical so he could go to school because that was the reason why he had never, believe it or not, been to school. He had never had a physical, you know. Then I started meeting these amazing doctors, you know. I met a doctor in Ventura, a Dr. Chris Landon, who had 39 medical doctors and made them all so available to us. And you know, he was sort of the impetus for me to meet other doctors and, and um, skin doctors, uh, what are they called in English? Dermatologists Dermatologists and, you know, dentists and things of that sort. So that's really how it started, you know, believe it or not, it was just really 
um, me taking these kids on outings. And at the same time, I was teaching a program for adults by Pepperdine, near Pepperdine University. And uh, one of my students, actually two of them, you know, but one was who is today still our accountant and our attorney. And when he realized what I was doing with these children, and this had been a while now, you know, he thought that I should do it more formally, you know. So it was really Michael Johnson who was sort of the uh, the angel, you know, who said, you know, I think you really should do this more formally. Uh, you know, we could all help. You know, we can friends can come uh, and, and help you with this process and so forth. And believe it or not, that's how things really sort of began, you know, that's right. how he helped us incorporate to become a 501c3. And so, um, do you want to tell them the story of Dr. Landon and the camp? The yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dr. Landon, um, stop me if you want me to stop, you know, no, keep going. Chris, oh, this is great. Yeah. Chris Landon was this amazing angel. You know, I had walked into his clinic. I just went, knocked on his door and he had, uh, was doing an opening for another clinic. And this guy is like amazing. You would adore him. And um, so Chris Landon had done so much uh, and his doctors, I wanted to do something for them, you know? So I had invited him to go to the Optimist Club in Malibu, which is a great group of mostly old, very established, you know, conservative men and some women but I thought I wanted to buy a machine, believe it or not, for a doctor who had helped, you know, a kid. And I thought I could get funding, you know, for the doc. So I wanted to do something for them. So I invited Chris along and, um, you know, uh, he, we went to this breakfast meeting and Chris thought that um, since I was taking kids on this outing, there had been an abandoned campsite in Malibu that he had learned about. And he said, you know, since it's Malibu and people will be more receptive to hearing something that could be done in Malibu, why don't we talk about, you know, this abandoned campsite, the Circle X Ranch, you never know, you know. Mm -hmm. So we go there at 7.30 on a Thursday morning and he and I get up to speak, you know. And uh, so I'm telling them about that we, uh, Chris really had come up with this uh, idea and the National Park Service had offered us to this campsite that we could, you know, bring children to. I would bring kids from the inner city and Chris would do like uh, medical camps for kids, you know. And so anyway, um, we go there, you know, we speak and we're telling them about this opportunity, you know, that there's this abandoned campsite. So these old guys all started raising their hands and they're like, Maria, you're not going to believe this, but we built that campsite 30 years oh, ago wow. with a Boy Scout group, you know? Oh, that's awesome. So it's yeah. like, you guys are not going to believe it, but this is true. So it's like two days later, I'm driving up to this camp for the very first time because I had never been there before myself, you know? Yeah. But um, so we go and see it and everything. And then 
you know, when things are meant to be, you know, like everything is so, there's like a great Jewish word. It's called beshert, as I'm sure you guys know. And I think it's like a beautiful word, even though I'm Italian, you know. <laughs> but it's really like when things are meant to be, you know. So what yeah. happened was simultaneously the city of Malibu became aware that we, they had just incorporated, they became aware that we, wanted to rebuild, you know, this abandoned 30-year-old campsite. And so they were talking about us at the city council meeting. Um, and Walt Keller was the first mayor of Malibu. So I wasn't there that night, and neither was anyone from the Children's Lifesaving Foundation. But this angel by the name of Nick Madigan happened to be there. And he was um, a writer for the Outlook newspaper, which was a very famous newspaper 27, 28 years ago in Santa Monica. So he happened to be in the audience that night. And Walt Keller was talking about us. And should the city of Malibu help these people rebuild this campsite? And should we offer them like a $25,000 grant to help rebuild the bathrooms or something? So the next day, Nick goes into his editor's office. And on his desk is one of our little flyers, which we used to do like by hand mm -hmm. to bring kids on outings from the different shelters already, you know. So his editor said, I want you to look this woman up. And, you know, she they're trying to build, you know, rebuild a campsite. They want to bring children from the different shelters here to Malibu. And and so Nick thought this is too synchronistic. Yeah. I heard about them the night before. So it was really Nick, you know, who was the next angel. He called and he said, you know, meet me up at the Circle X. I want to see what you guys want to do. So two days later, he writes a full page article that said, miracle needed, you know, and he's yeah. got a, it was on the front page. a front page, a silhouette of me, like looking on into the sunset, you know. And at this point, <laughs> where, where are you guys at with the 501s? Like, are you established? Are you going? Oh, yeah, or is it no, still so yeah, early? Thank God, because of Mike Johnson, now we're an established okay, organization, nice. you know. So um, Nick, the, two days later, 70 people called up, wow, all wow. bowing to help, you know. I mean, Honestly, it was magical, you know, so we put together a work project, you know, Chris was like, Maria, you know, then we went to the National Park Service, they said, sure, if you do this work project, we'll give you a long term lease, you know. So Chris like, looked at me and he said, well, what do you think? You know, he said, I've got three clinics. I can't do a work project, you know. Mm -hmm. So with, I was like, well, I don't know. I've never done a work project before, but I'm willing to give it a try, you know. So, you know, again, everything came together. It was something that was really meant to be, you know, because yeah. we... People came out of everywhere, you know. I Is mean, that where um, Agape Spiritual Center kind of jumped yeah, in and helped I mean, you guys? You know, awesome. it's funny, Reverend Michael, someone had taken me to visit Reverend Michael. You know, yeah, I've, I've watched a Reverend dear, for years. I yeah, love him. a dear yeah. friend of mine, Michael Bundy, invited me to uh, listen to Reverend Michael one night. And the first time I, I went in there, it was like, this little guy is like up and, you know, in the podium there. And it was like, he was feeling my pulse. I thought, how does this guy know what's in my mind? You know, like <laughs> he knew exactly. So Reverend Michael, I must tell you, has been 
one of our dearest friends for the last 27 years. Amazing. He was at our first event that we ever threw. You know, he blesses everything we do and uh, has his church participate every year. They came to the Circle X Ranch. We were the first project that Action Agape, which is now a famous, you know, yearly thing that Agape does, a work project organization, we were their very first work project was the oh, Circle wow. X Ranch. You know? What year was that in? In June. That was June 30th of 1993. Was wow. that weekend. I was awesome. like sitting up at camp, you know. Yeah. And it was like, you guys wouldn't believe it. I thought I was like Kevin Costner in the field <laughs> games, you know. <laughs> we're getting off the bus. I called, I swear to you, I called one organization that's called 100 Black Men. I swear to God, there must have been like three quarters of them showed up on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> but Agape, like David Silverstein, who still runs the action Agape, he brought about 60 volunteers, you know, wow. and then Rabbi Hurston from Malibu had sent people from the uh, Jewish uh, Center in Malibu and uh, Monsignor Sheridan, God rest his soul, sent people from Our Lady of Malibu. And, of course, the you know, the, the, the guys from the uh, uh, club all showed up. They were up there with me to begin with. You know, the optimists of Malibu were all yeah. there. So we ended up doing several hundred thousand dollars, you know. Of, oh, nice. And um, it was really, honestly, guys, it was such a, a magical thing, you know. Yeah, and it is this, very is this, synchronistic. Yeah, is this location right. still where you guys do the camp set now? No, actually, you know, we were there for 10 years, you know, and then we went down the hill, you know, to uh, a camp that had overnight cabins, you know, okay. it was Camp S. Kramer. And then we also leased another camp, which is Camp Shalom, to do uh, um, teenager camp. Gotcha. You know? But uh, sadly, they've all burned down, you know. Oh, no, during the Malibu uh, fires that... Francesca found, uh, we found a uh, camp called King Gillette Ranch, which is the old Soka University. It's owned by the Conservancy, and it's gorgeous. It's right on Malibu Canyon and Moholland. It's that property right there at the corner. So we did our first wilderness camp there, a week-long camp, for 350 children that wow. we wow. just met a couple of years ago from Telfair Elementary, mm-hmm. which is a school in Pacoima, which has the highest concentration of homeless children in Los wow. Angeles. Wow. So they were wonderful. They came to our camp. Yeah. So this would be, be a good time to, to explain, you know, the different aspects of services that you provide. You kind of touched on the nature camps and, and some of the things. So t- talk a little bit about, the different things that you guys do as an organization for, you know, not only the the children, but families in the LA area. Well, I'll just tell you one last thing. And then Fran- I want Francesca to really share more with you because she's really taken over, you know, she's our new executive director and really does all of it, you know, but I wanted to just share with you that in 1994, I started seeing children again that were coming back. So we, you know, we got a long-term lease. We started the camp on July 7th of 1993 with seven kids from Lincoln Park. They were all living like in the park right across Mm -hmm. the street from St. Monica's. 
And the next day we had 30 kids, you know, from Sunlight Shelter and Loop Cap and Ocean Park Community Center. And then by the end of the month, we were sending a bus and 75 kids a day were coming wow. up, you know. Mm-hmm. So since then, we've had about 75,000 kids just through the camp program. And they're all different shelters and service organizations that deal with the most at-risk youth, you know. So it's a free camp, you know, to everyone. But in 94, when I saw kids coming back for the second year, I wanted to really find out why, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh So we started our Adopt-A-Family program then, which we now call the Vita Network. So we started meeting these children, and I would go down and, invite the mothers, you know, and then we would casually talk to them. Anyway, the first one was an accident. You know, we had to end up helping this family, which we did gladly, and we were successful at that. And then we just uh, started working with young women who were really the most motivated to turn their lives around. Because as you guys know, you know, the concentration of homelessness, well, today, Mm-hmm. It's just so phenomenal. You know what I mean? It's over like 50,000 people and, uh, you know, you know what I mean? And, and maybe not even 10,000 of those people are housed, you know? Yeah. So keeping people in, in um, permanent housing is a very commitment uh, inducing thing and to be successful at it. I'm not right. saying self-servingly guys, I'm telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, to be successful at it is a very, um, you know, uh, how do you say very like profound thing. You know what I mean? Like you want to really make sure that they do succeed once you do invest that. Kind right. Of that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I think so that's we, something that's, what seems to be a, an issue almost every major city is dealing with is, and especially I'm sure LA is, is how do we, how do you, tackle, solve, the how do you yeah. tackle the problem? And in a place like LA where it's become such an exorbitant number, it's like, how do you tackle a problem that's now got to be, you know, like you said, 50,000, 60,000 people, it becomes very, yeah. very difficult. Well, the, the, you know, our focus was one at a time. You know what I mean? My feeling was we met these wonderful children. We wanted to see why are they back in a shelter, you know? And then once we started meeting these young women, we really uh, focused on them. And we, you know, really focused on the ones that we knew were serious. You know, they were committed to change their lives. They Mm -hmm. wanted to leave welfare behind. They wanted a future for themselves and their children, you know. And that's what we did, you know, honestly. We had a group now, we had a wonderful group of friends around us who were willing to help with that process. So we would once they were ready to really get back to work, you know, we would meet with their landlord with them and we would help them sign a lease and we would have a a sponsor in place that would pay for first, last and deposit. Someone else will help, would help supplement their income for that first year. Someone else would help with furnishings, appliances, all of that, you know? And so we did that, you know, and uh, uh, we've been doing that, you know, since 1994, actually, you know. So we've moved about 55 total, you know, now to date. So I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but believe 55 me, total families? families. You know? Gotcha. So, yeah. you know, it's really 
quite a lot when you it is, yeah. want to make sure that, you know, all these people succeed. So when you say, you know, how the problem is insurmountable, you know, I know, you know, but, you know, I think, as I said to you, the focus is what can you do, you know, individually mm -hmm. also on a day-to-day -day basis. And for us, that's what we have been able to do, you mm -hmm. know. Right. I had a question you had mentioned that I was curious the answer of. You said when the kids came, a kid, that child that came back the second year and you wanted to know why. What were the, some of the things that they said, why they wanted to come back so bad that it impacted them the first camp and they wanted to come oh, back? Oh, the kids. That oh, I think Maria was referring to the fact that they were, they were still homeless. Oh, still yeah, homeless. Yeah, they okay, were, sorry. I thought it was they were still, Yeah. No, that they were still living, you know, in those conditions. I yeah. mean, I don't know if you guys... With their parents. I'm yeah. sure you oh, must have visited a shelter at some point, you know. Right. I don't know if you have or not. But believe me, you know, like a family of four is like in a room. It's a two by four, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And they're... Yeah, it's not fun. Not fun, you know, yeah. not fun. I mean, it's... Um, but we've had a wonderful experience, you know, uh, which which is what is happening right now, believe it or not. You know, today we are trying to really, this is such a crucial time, you know, for everyone, all of us, you know, but in particular, the families we serve, you know, because so many of them are out of work, you know, fathers have gotten laid off restaurants, you know, some mothers who are domestic workers were laid off, you know, they mm -hmm. can't go to work. And uh, even the young people, our, you know, kids in college, we have 11 kids in college right now that are on scholarship with us. Oh, They're all, you know, they all have part-time jobs and stuff like that. And none of them are working right now, you know. Maybe no, yeah, I yeah, think, and and maybe Julian, I think also is yeah. like at a store, but other than that, you know, everyone is really having a very difficult time. So we're trying to to raise funds to help them, and we're very excited, you know, because yeah. we had the pleasure of meeting uh, the Open Heart Foundation a few years ago. Do you want to share yes. that? Maybe Actually, Francesca, yeah, um, tell you. Yeah, we got a great email from the organization in 2013, and they wanted to honor Maria as an Open Hearts recipient. So the actress Jane Seymour co-founded the organization, um, I think just about 10 years ago, right? And so they gave Maria this fantastic award um, and awarded CLF 10,000, which was really lovely. So we've stayed in touch with them, and they invited us to one of their, their current fundraisers, this was right before the lockdown and stuff happened. And as soon as it happened, you know, we really, all of us said, you know, we have to do something for the families because this is, we, we knew immediately that this wasn't just going to be a couple of weeks. Right. You know, we had that instinct as so many of us did. So we started contacting, you know, our friends and supporters and said, we're starting this emergency relief fund, you know, can you help us? And I think, we originally asked the Open Hearts Foundation for $5,000 and we just got the most incredible call from them. I still have goosebumps. Like a week later, they said, well, we're going to give you guys 25000 Oh, man. It'll be like a challenge grant, but we know you guys can do it. So. <laughs> so what is a challenge grant? So it's basically a way for us to entice other people to donate more, to you know, it. we're going to match. match. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, you know, giving Tuesday now hashtag giving Tuesday now is coming up on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. 
Mm -hmm. So it's another kind of rallying cry day to get people to donate. Um, So we're raising funds for that. We've, I think we've given out, we're we're sending a thousand dollar checks actually to the families in our Vita network. So we've sent out, thank you, 15,000 so far. And we want to just keep sending out the checks as, as long as we possibly can. We also yeah. adopted a new family from, from the Telfair, the Telfair yeah. school district that Maria was talking about. Oh, cool. Um, so, so to recap that real quick, just so that it didn't go over the head of our listeners, Open Heart Foundation, or Open Heart, Open Health, there are open, open Heart Foundation. They're going to match a donation on Giving Tuesday, which they're this episode's- They're offering a donation. No, a, they are offering a donation of $25,000, but we need to match it. You need to match it. So if you're listening to this right now and it's Monday or maybe it is Giving Tuesday and you want to give $100, that's basically like giving $200 because it's going to get matched by the foundation. Yes. So if you want 100%. to get extra extra bang for your donation, um, this would be a great time to do that because you have an organization behind that that's saying, hey, we're going to match your donations and your, your money will go even farther by doing it. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you, guys. Yes. Yeah. And we kind of, I touched on this before we, we jumped on the podcast, but I would imagine for most nonprofits right now, it uh, a lot of funding uh, has really slowed down uh, donation-wise. I would think right now, you know, everyone's kind of in this state of... Um, uncertainty and right. so you know uh with giving tuesday being something that's coming up you know this is really um a way to like vaden said make your money go even further mm-hmm. i'd also say too i mean i we know we have listeners all over the u.s we have listeners in other parts of the world and um it's worth noting that this isn't a, a good thing to say but la is has unfortunately become such a uh Ep, uh, I don't say epicenter of homelessness becomes such a big concern that when you have an organization like you guys working in the heart of it, um, that's that's a good place to to put your resources and help out. I mean, it, it's great to have people on the ground there in one of the most needed areas in the United States right now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, I, I actually, you know, Maria said something earlier which I thought was interesting. She said that you walked into that doctor's clinic, right? And you kind of said it was an accident. Yes. But it might've seemed like an accident at the time, but it seems to me like it was very much on purpose. You might not have just known what the purpose was because hearing that story of him helping out and then the, the camp in Malibu and the city council meeting and the reporter, and it seemed like things really aligned up very synergistically that yes. I don't know if it was on accident that you walked into that clinic I at agree. that time. <laughs> yeah. um, believe me, I agree with you so much. I mean, yeah. everything has just been so intuitively guided, you know, it truly is. And, you know, Reverend Michael said it, you know, when I first uh, went to visit him with him to tell him that we were going to do this, he said, it's going to be, it's going to happen. It will all be perfect, you know, and we've been really so uh, fortunate, you know, to be doing this work for 27 years. And I was so young then, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, have you guys had some cool success stories of, uh, you know, children who went oh to the camp God, and I, then decided I, you know, to vol- I, I volunteer or great stories that, that you could share? Call me. One that just called me, you know, well, I'll tell you about one is name. Well, I'll tell you his 
I don't know if I should even, his first name, you know, <laughs> met this kid when he was 14 years old at uh, a shelter called The Way In. I had gone in there one night because I was looking for another young man by the name of Robert Roan, who had run away from a shelter in Santa Monica from his mother. And these were kids that, this was a kid that used to come to our camp. Can I just stop you for a quick sec? We'd like to shout out to Robert Roan, because if this is airing on Monday, he's he's at his uh, virtual funeral for his mom who passed away. We love you, Robert. Yeah. So much. Anyway. So So anyway, I go to, he calls me, says, oh, I'm at this way in in Hollywood, you know. And it's a place that the Weingart Foundation uh, started for these kids. So there were like six, six kids there that night, you know. So I go in and then I meet these other kids who, by the way, are part of our foundation to this day, you know. And what so year is this? Well, I'll, go, I'll just give you what first year? names. This was in 19, maybe 94, 95, okay. you know. Amazing. Robert was coming from Sunlight Shelter in 93 and 94, you know. So anyway, I meet him and he introduces me to these other kids. I'll just give you first names, right? Mm-hmm. One of them is Rodney. Another one is Monica. Another one is Alex. Anyway, and Robert. So Rodney was 14 when I met him. That night, I thought this kid was like magical, even at 14 years old. Okay. We, he was part of everything we did, you know, everything. I mean, we were like his next of kin in the court of law. We became, he really became part of a, a family, you know, an extended family. He works for NASA today, guys. Wow. Okay, He has, awesome. owns his own home. He drives a Mercedes. His wife drives a Mercedes. <laughs> I mean, his daughter, he's got three girls. His daughter just won the championship. She is the brightest student, you know, in her entire district, you know, his oldest daughter. Monica, you know, has two children. She was also 14. And um, Monica will be the one to tell you this story. But I got to know these kids, you know, started taking all of them. Then we would go to amusement parks. We would go to restaurants. We would do all these great things together. And Monica was always reserved, you know. So I said to her one day, took her out by herself. I said, you know, I will help you, but you can never get pregnant, you know. So she <laughs> throws her head down like this on the table, and she goes, my God, Maria, I am already pregnant. You uh, know? 16 oh, years man. old, you know. So anyway, she has two beautiful kids, Alex her son is one of our college scholarship recipients. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're forgetting to tell them, though. She Boy, came to live with oh you. Oh, my God, as yeah. Soon as yeah. Baby was so born. as soon as Alex, baby Alex was born, she ended up coming to live with me. And, you know, I was living in Malibu, you know, and she had to end up coming to live with me until I was able to find a place for her. She was one of my toughest kids to get in line. <laughs> I had to move it three times in her own place. But, you know, the thing is, you just, um, you know, these kids have uh, that you meet, you know, who have had this experience in group homes and have lived in foster care like that. And, well, group home care is not like foster care because they're like in groups, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so m- much is people around them who have been close to them have given up on them. You know what I mean? So that um, 
not giving up on them is really the key, the key, you know what I mean? Yeah. It really just staying, you know, with them and, and yeah, uh, I'm sure the fact of, of knowing that somebody out there cares about you just means yeah. so much for the kids Absolutely. and, you know, and, and generational poverty is a real thing, unfortunately. And, um, one story, you know, that you tell is breaking, breaking yeah, that generational poverty. And that's such an amazing thing to think about is that that could have been a, a family tree of generational poverty for years and years and years yeah. until they've came across you guys in your organization and you work with them and you show them that you love them and you show them that you care about them and you show them that they have value in life. And all of a sudden you have a kid who was living in a shelter who's now working for NASA and that whole generation of poverty has snapped and it was all went back down to people like yourselves who are taking action and caring about other people. And, you know, it's just such an awesome thing of what you guys are doing. Thank Thank you. You Uh, you know what? I tell them that they can change the trajectory of their lives, you know, themselves just with one generation, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's the truth. Just what you've just said. I mean, that's it. That's really it. You know, yeah, How amazing. old was your son when you first started back in the early 90s? How old? Yeah, was, was your son? Oh, my son was, um, he was, he was is probably, 47 he was now. Probably 18 so, or 19. Yeah, he was around 19 years old, yeah. Well, I just think that that's, uh, I mean, I don't want to skip over how, you, what you sewed into your own family while doing this for all these other families. And look, and now he's, kind of taking the reins from what you started and continuing on, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, a lot of times, you know, that's stuff that's missed over, you know, a lot of times is we don't teach our kids like how to be able to help in our communities. And I, it seems like, you know, we're talking about with Vaden, how the homeless problem continues to grow and, you know, sowing, this back into our own families on how to help people when they're in need is such an important part of, I think what you did and what you continue to do. Mm-hmm. And it shows with how long people have been part of your organization. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. You know what I mean? It's, it's to help, you know what I mean? It's a, a very simple thing. I think so. You know, I really do. And I'm not, not, not necessarily saying it, you know, for us, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But anything that uh, one does, you know what I mean? Reaching yeah. outside of yourself, yeah. I think is so important, especially now, you know. Mm-hmm. We also- I- oh, I was saying we have many volunteers. Who- That's what I was just going to ask. Yeah. Transition to, yeah. How can people help out if they're in Southern California or, hey, maybe they're like us in Northern California. Like I'm going to make a weekend down there for a camp or whatever. And I want to help well, out. How do people, yeah. how do people, how do people help? Squad. Yeah. yeah. We, we have a group of, you know, friends and professionals called the swell squad. And now we're, we're going to do more digital stuff and meetings and events. So we're going to have more information about that on our website, what you can sign up for the swell squad on our website. Um, and through through that group, you know, you learn about volunteer opportunities that we have as soon as we can get back to the camps again. My God, it's it's such a we have surf camps in the summer as well as the wilderness camps. There's just so I mean, 
If you're an artist, you can come and do art. We have an incredible holiday program as well. But I mean, if you're a writer, you can come and do a writing workshop at camp. I mean, there's, there's just a myriad of ways, different ways, you know, you can help musicians, dancers. We always need help with, you know, mailing, fundraising, things like that. There's just so there's, we have a vast array of uh, volunteer opportunities. We have great corporate volunteer opportunities. Yeah. And a lot of our volunteers have brought their children and their children are now, I've written many recommendation letters for yeah. them for college, for college you know, because yeah. they've grown yeah. up coming, uh, you know, to do arts and crafts at the holidays with their mom. And, but they've done it every single year to like, it's part of their, you know, life and holiday tradition and you know it's a great it's a great way uh rex as you were saying to you know build that in you know with kids you know because we make it kind of fun especially the camp opportunities yeah yeah i I was watching one of your guys's youtube videos and i was uh kind of blown away like some of these kids in the inner city have never been to the beach before and until you guys take them right You'd be really surprised how true it is. It's, and we actually, that's one of the questions we ask, you know, when we do our surf camps, mm-hmm. our instructors will say, and you'd be amazed how many hands go up or this is only the second time or, and they're, you know, 20 minutes with no traffic from the beach. It's mm-hmm. just, right. but they don't, I mean, a family living in a shelter, it's just not, not on a radar. Yeah. Priorities, yeah. right. Field trips and fun things. And there's no funds for that usually, or, even uh, transportation, you know? So. Yeah. There's a great organization I'd love to connect you guys with um, called urban surf for kids. And they have a San Diego chapter and then they also have one in Florida, but they're, they deal mainly with uh, working with foster kids and doing those like weekend surf trips too. And it'd be great to to connect their similar thing. And and I just, it just sparked in my head because I remember uh, I, I talked to the, the founder of that organization. He said the same thing that so many of these kids have never, been to the beach before and they live in san diego you know and it's just exactly. yeah they're just you know so low on the priority unfortunately in those situations in their life right so are we kind of skipped over but besides the wilderness camps the surf camps what are, what are the if you want to just give everyone like a description of everything you guys kind of do sure so maria was talking about the adoptive family program which we now call our vita network um the kids you know started growing up pretty quick and the parents, you know, were a lot of them are uh, Spanish speaking and they needed help helping their kids with their homework and they were really struggling. So I think it was about 10 years ago, we developed a care through college program and we started doing one-on-one tutoring, um, getting kids together with mentors and providing as they grew older college scholarships for them. And you know, the Vita network, we we basically moved away from the adoptive family concept and really started focusing on this core group. We're now sending funding to with our emergency, the COVID relief fund as well. Um, So that's a huge part of what we do. Um, The camps is, you know, obviously our main program and our main focus. We also have a wonderful holiday program called project angel wings, which, you know, brings hundreds and hundreds of kids from, um, the lowest income school districts. We work with friends from LA's best to bring those kids to our, we have these huge holiday events. There's DJs and Santa comes and they have like, not just one gift you guys, but we get like 10 gifts for personalized gift bags. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Actually, that's another great 
volunteer opportunity. Like you can come and wrap gifts with us. And we have like Santa's workshop, uh, Capital One. The yeah, Capital that's got to be Cafe. fun. Yeah, in Santa Monica, they set us up with um, a great space the last couple of years to do that. Um, we go down even to Midnight Mission on Christmas Day and give away any remaining toys and gifts that have been donated. And we go to Homeboy Industries, yeah, with Father Greg Boyle. I'm oh, sure yeah. I've, I've actually, I've reached out to them about joining on the podcast, but I hadn't heard oh. of it yet. But I thought they would be a great great guests oh, also we need to call them and let them know, yeah. You know <laughs> oh yeah that'd be great yeah we will definitely reach out to them for you. oh cool yeah i know i saw i've followed them and i've been like gosh they would be such great guests he's also. wonderful yeah. he's a wonderful man you know yeah. nice. truly so, a wonderful yeah, man so we bring toiletries and beauty products for the moms to homeboy industries and tons of toys we just have so many toys <laughs> yeah yeah. Oh, and so we have a lot of really wonderful in-kind donors like Jack Specific donates toys to us and Osea's skincare donates amazing oh, yeah. beauty products, L'Oreal. So we reached out to um, my friend Liz told me about a wonderful nurse who the head nurse, I think, at the COVID unit at UCLA Hospital. And I said, you know, we want to do something for Mother's Day for you guys. We, we, we're getting some great gift bags together for you. You know, how many, how many nurses are, you know, let me know. I mm-hmm. thought she was going to say like 20, 20, 30. Yeah. She said, I have about a hundred nurses. So we're, we have a, we have a lot of work bag. the next couple yeah. of kicked but, into um, over Kicked into overdrive real quick. We just got that out. Yeah. yeah. It's not 20, it's a hundred. Yeah. So are some of the camps, are they just weekend camps? Are they week long camps? Are they, they vary depending on the type of camp? Yeah. They're they're The wilderness camps are day camps. They're, they're during the week in the summer. We're really kind of bummed right now because the next one is scheduled on June 15th. I mean, fingers mm, crossed. Maybe yeah. We do a social distancing one. Yeah. A, a, maybe a couple less kids. We'll see what we'll, we're going to do about that. And at yeah. the other camps, they were overnight camps, you know, at right. Camp, camp um, Shalom. Shalom, they were overnight camps, week-long, a week-long overnight camp. But that yeah. camp burned down, you know, so did Camp Hess Kramer. Yeah. So what, now we have to find an overnight facility, you know. Yeah, and you will, and those ones will rebuild. Yeah. Oh, things from will your open mouth back to God's ears, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I got to imagine for those kids, I mean, if you're in a shelter, um, to be able to – leave and go and do fun activities i mean there's probably just imagine putting yourself in the life of those the kids is they probably don't have a lot of fun things they're doing in their daily life so to be able to have the access to go to one of these camps to do fun things to be around people who you know care about you you know it's just it's it's such a great opportunity yes um the surf camps too are so fun because our instructors make sure if they want to learn to surf they're going to get up on the board you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. we have our, our friends, the mighty underdogs or, or uh, we hire them to be our surf instructors. They're like Malibu pro level surfers. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> They're so cool. That's so cool. awesome. Nice. Yeah. We have a lot of fun with the kids there. It's great. Nice. Well, you guys are truly angels. I mean, some of these yes. stories, I mean, are like these kids lives were forever changed by the work you're doing. And you can't say how far that goes huh. and, generational like Vaden touched mm-hmm. on so uh you know it's really amazing and we're glad that we're able to you know get you guys in for an interview before 
Giving Tuesday. We really want to be able to help promote, you know, anything we can to help you guys, um, especially during these times where, you know, everyone might not be thinking about giving. Um, you know, this is the time where we really need to dig down and give even more. So, yeah, absolutely. And so is the best way to give through the website? Is that, is that the best way that you prefer yes, uh, donations? Yes, absolutely. It's childrenslifesaving.org. .org, yeah. okay. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Okay. Yep. You guys really, thank you. Thank both. you so much. So much. Yeah. It's really yeah. been wonderful. Oh, it's our yeah. pleasure. We, You're we, angels. Yeah. And I've listened to both of you as well. I want you to know. Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> thanks. It's, I, you know, I love it's what you guys are doing. So it's thanks. one of the amazing, amazing things on this journey with this podcast has yeah. been talking to people like yourselves who are doing great things. And I think it's important because there's so much negativity but the, in the world that you see in news, but there's still so many people doing so many good things in the world. And me and Rex are like, you know what? It's time we do our best to highlight people who are doing great things in the world. It's wonderful. Thank We're you. very grateful. Thank you yeah. so much. If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneroftheuniverse.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Thank you.